Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to a cursed cast. I'm almost afraid to say the name of this movie because we have scheduled to do this cast over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and stuff has come up. It has just not worked out for us. So today we're just saying, damn it all, we're going to do it. We're going to get it in. And it's one we've been wanting to do for a very long time, actually. Um, we're going to be covering the 1970s classic, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yes. If that sounds familiar, it's the original to which... Uh... The MST3K episode. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, this movie is completely different from. I am going to point that out right now. That if you've seen that episode, first of all, that movie that they're covering is horrible. It is awful. It did deserve the riffing they got. And that's a great episode of the show. I've seen that episode <laughs> a couple times. It's a good episode. Yeah. That movie, if you remember that episode, it's a fictional movie. It's set in the, uh, you know, it's about pe people from the University of Arkansas who go out monster hunting. Um, it was actually shot in Fayetteville. I will say that was kind of cool. It was neat that they shot it there for some brief scenes. And it is neat if you're an art, if you're a local to watch it just to see the footage from the state. But yeah, that's that's pretty bad. The one we're going to cover today is actually a really pretty acclaimed movie. Honestly, this is one that has pretty high reverence in the in the horror community. Um, we really need to do a lot of context setting, and honestly, the context hmm. setting may be why I want to do this cast more than anything else. The 70s was a boom time for Bigfoot, which is weird to think about now, but the 70s was a big time for Bigfoot. You had a ton of Bigfoot movies. You had a ton of Bigfoot TV shows. Every It seemed like every TV show did a Bigfoot episode. You know, Bigfoot was a big deal. There were tons of books on the character. You know, this entire idea of a lost forest ape. It's really fascinating to study. It's, that's something I've really been kind of fascinated by is why did this happen? Why did Bigfoot become this big deal in the 70s? And he, he wasn't the only cryptid. I mean, the 70s were a big time for cryptids in general. But yeah, wasn't that, wasn't that the decade of uh, Laird Nimoy's show? Yes, In Search yeah. Of. In Search Of, yeah. Um, it was a big decade for, say... You know, the UFO trend was kind of a big deal then. Flying saucers, I mean, that was something that was starting to take off. Though that would really yeah, hit its the, peak, I think, in, in the 90s is when I feel like that hit its peak. Yeah, they they had, yeah, with X-Files and whatnot. Uh, yeah, they had an entire season of Fargo that was kind of kind of centered around that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's been a big deal. So what, what set, why Bigfoot? Um, the answer is a piece of footage. That uh, is known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. It's the one that everybody thinks of, of Bigfoot walking through the forest. Everybody knows the footage. Everybody has seen it. And pretty much, and now it's kind of come out that that's that complete. Was yeah, it was complete hoax. It was a, a. It's not even a subtle hoax either. I mean, it's it, this was not high art. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that as cameras have gotten really good uh stuff like ufo sightings and uh bigfoot sightings uh Loch Ness monster sightings have all kind of conspicuously faded yeah but yeah there's a there's a famous i forget what it's called the surgeon's photo the surgeon's photo 
the the are you talking about the uh, Loch Ness monster photo? No, I'm talking about uh, like these things people in like videos people used to see like these multi winged uh, yeah yeah like little fairy things and uh, yeah those huh orbs orbs yeah I've heard that as like something where it's like these spirit orbs and such uh not quite like yeah there's all kinds. That's just it. We could spend we could yeah. hours, but there's, but yeah, that's but that whole thing was like a trick of interlacing, like with uh, yeah. standard video, which is not a thing anymore since we since everything is now HD and progressive foot, um, um, yeah, frames are progressive. So, so it's it's funny how things go away like that, you know. Mm-hmm. UFO sightings go away. All this stuff goes away. And I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I, I watched Unsolved Mysteries growing up. I watched all of it. As everybody knows, I am a Ride Till I Die X-Files fan. Always will be. Always will be. Cannot wait for the new season. Ten new episodes next year. Cannot wait. I've been I've been looking at some of the set photos, and I'm like, <laughs> So happy. So happy. Lola heard my And and uh, duplicated it so i love all this stuff i don't believe a word of it i I don't believe in any of it but i love stories about it and again i'm kind of fascinated by bigfoot mania in particular because i i feel like that there's something to be said for looking at what the socio-political context was what was going on in the south because bigfoot was very much a southern rural myth you have to look at the social implications the old south as we knew it was kind of going away the you know what people think of the beverly hillbillies rustic south you know all of a sudden you were more connected rural electrification was finished in the 70s you had you know increasingly everything was becoming connected small towns were dying the death of the small town was on Mm -hmm. you know the death of communities like the one that my father grew up in, that was beginning. That was starting to progress. People were, you know, industry was starting to pop up in the South. Um, that little company that uh, the guy from Fayette, from, uh, what was it, Bentonville uh, started, <laughs> that uh, little chain store was starting to take off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Things, the South as we know it, and I've devoted a long time in study to this, between 1970 and 1995, it didn't. It, it changed completely. In that 25-year period, it became completely different from what it was. Um, you really, there's so much there. So it kind of makes sense that Bigfoot was kind of a reaction to the change, is how I see it. Like Bigfoot mania was sort of a, the mythology is going away. You're searching for that again, you know. There's a symbolism there, and I'm reaching here. This is very much my own personal theory, but I really feel like Bigfoot mania was a response to, oh, there really isn't, there really aren't monsters out there, but we want there to be, because we want we want the world we know to still be like the world we know. You know, you want that mythology when the world you know is going away. Uh, again, uh. I think you can make a strong case that a lot of the, you know, reaction to say, 
you know, UFO mania was a reaction to the rise of technology in the 90s. The, you know, dramatic leaps that it took. You know, I, you can, you can, and, and I, I, again, this is, these are very specious uh, ideas that I'm going with, but I really feel like there's something to that. And that brings us to the movie, finally, because I really feel like that's kind of the hidden subject of this movie is a, a dying small town and a way of life that's going away. And the movie kind of looks at that. Like, I really feel like this is a movie that's about two things, what it's about and what it's really about. Um, so a little bit of background. Uh, Charles Pierce worked a lot of odd jobs in the movie industry. I want to say he was a set designer, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. He was a gadabout in the movie industry, to put it bluntly. Um, heard the stories about the Fountain Monster, liked the stories, didn't believe a damn word of them. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. He did not believe a word of the Fountain Monster. He didn't believe it existed, but he he knew he could exploit it. Right. He knew he could make a good, cheap exploitation movie out of it. Pierce would go on, by the way, to become a very prominent filmmaker, uh, on the mostly on the drive-in circuit, so to speak, but you can't knock the drive-in circuit. Um, one of his films that he did uh, was the acclaimed The Town That Dreaded Sundown about a still-unsolved killing in uh, Texarkana. That, that is one of the most acclaimed horror movies of its age, really. Like, this one has some serious reputation. This is one people really love. Um, it got remade even recently. So, you know, again, serious guy, serious filmmaker, and someone that is very much hailed in the state, very respected in the state. So he did this movie and uh, put it together quickly, Shot it on location, of course. Enlisted a bunch of locals. Some of them played themselves. Some of them didn't. Yeah, I was going. I was going to ask about that. Some of them were playing "quote unquote" characters. Some weren't. Like the Crabtree family played themselves, for example. Others did not. Um, I mean, of course, the movie is almost all recreations of uh, the "quote unquote" attacks. For those that haven't seen it, it is a difficult film to discuss, honestly, because it's sort of, it really is a fever dream, basically. Yeah, it's like, it it presents itself as a documentary-ish, except, you know, it's obviously, it's an obvious uh, recreation of events. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's still, yeah. It can, it's documentary-esque. It's, it's documentary-esque, it's, yeah. It's a pseudo-documentary. And in in some ways, it is, in fact, I think, a documentary in, mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, I feel like, how else do you describe the scenes of the town life if not actual documentary? That is what that is. The, those were real people. That was a real world. Falca's a real place. It's not too far from where Amanda grew up. She actually said that uh, her mom once took her and uh, her sister down to Falk and threatened that the uh, Falk monster would... Uh, Get them. Oh my gosh. Do you want me yeah. to keep that in the cast? You're damn right I want you to keep that in the cast. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, did that sound did that not sound like something I totally wanted in the cast? That's <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's wow. a wonderful story. Um yeah. for that we named our daughter after her. Well there you go. <laughs> Lola laughed when I said that. Again, it's 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 a surreal setting that the movie uses. 
So you have these two things going on at once where you've got these two competing ideas. And I really love that about the movie, that it has that element of two separate ideas. So much of the movie is just shots of the area with narration over it. Uh, the opening scene of this movie is just, to me, that alone is makes the movie worth watching. Uh, is that wonderful opening scene where it's taking you through the swamps. And it's taking you through this world. And it's very evocative. Um, I want to remind people, by the way, that this movie basically almost exclusively played outdoors. This was a drive-in movie. When it played Little Rock, it played the drive-ins. It was a drive-in circuit movie. So you can imagine the effect that this movie would have. That makes a lot of sense. You can imagine the effect that this movie would have on an outdoor viewer. I'm sure it was quite hypnotic. Especially that opening sequence where you're just going through the swamps. And it's the muck and the mire. And you can almost sense it. It's a, it's a really gorgeously shot sequence. And you hear the legends. And again, the bulk of the movie is just multiple people telling their stories of their encounters with the uh, creature. There ain't much to it. One is, um, you know, I mean, uh, most of them are standard shots of... You know, there's people at a farm, and uh, they think they've seen it, killed some local animals. And then the really the grand sequence of the film, the one that – the sleepover that gets invaded by the monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. And that's the sequence that I think is the is probably the one that where you're going to get the movie that most people expect. You know, again, so much of the movie – like, it does – it's really well-structured in that you just get hints. You just get teases of, okay – you know, a few small attacks, but nothing too big. And it's not until that last sequence that you really get the full-on monster movie effect that you're waiting for. And I'm yeah. sure part of this was budgetary. The movie was only $100,000 um, in budget. But I, but I think it actually really builds suspense because you're waiting for that classic monster attack scene. And yeah, it really is, as you said, you know, it's like, get the gun. I mean, it's very matter of fact. The fact that all that none of these people were quote unquote actors mm-hmm. really makes a difference in the effect of the film. It really gives it a sense that it gives it a, an authenticity. Yeah. It really makes you feel like you're watching what's really just going on here. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Like anytime you watch like a movie set in the South, well, any movie set in the South, especially in Arkansas, you're getting the stereotype. Like, this is one of those where you're watching it, and it's like, wow. So, this is real. Yeah, this is real. Like, this is what, this is the actual thing that the stereotype is based off of, and it's almost nothing like the stereotype. Like, this is just normal life, I mean. Well, look at the great sequence where it's just depicting the town, and it just shows, it, and it's matter of fact. It's, here's the town, here's what it is, here's what life is like here, there's not much... There's not much going on here. It is simple. It is quiet, but it functions. And and you see that, that there is a way of life here that, you know, at this point has changed so dramatically that the film serves as a time capsule of something that's gone now. You know, when a small town could be just a small town and the answer to everything wasn't just go to Walmart. I mean, here's a movie that takes you back to a day when that wasn't the automatic answer. And, and you're right. You, there, there isn't 
There isn't a sense that these people are yokels. There isn't a sense. I mean, this, you know, Pierce knew this area. He, he didn't, he wasn't quote unquote from it, but he lived in the area. He knew it mm-hmm. and he respected it. Um, and, and that really does show that he doesn't, he doesn't condescend. He doesn't find, you never feel like you're in dog patch. And I like that. I like that the movie feels real. Yeah. It feels authentic. It's not the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, again, and, the, and I, the fact that the actors are so very, like, dry. There's no, you know, there, there isn't a sense that all of this is being played up. That is one thing that is so interesting about this film is there are no real characters in it. I mean, even for quote-unquote documentary, there are no quote-unquote characters. You know, because I've seen plenty of documentaries that are very character-centric. And this one really, it is the town as a mass protagonist. I think that's a cool approach. But yeah, like that, that again, a, a lot of the attack scenes, it's a lot of you hear howls, you hear something, you, 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 but you don't see anything. So much of it is suggested. And that's what gives this movie a real, you know, character. Because if you watch some of the other 70s Bigfoot movies, it's all, we've got a suit, we're showing it to you at every possible moment. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the other thing about this film. Uh, their their approach to Bigfoot uh, himself is very minimalist. It is minimalist. Um, and, and that was on purpose. That was something that Pierce did deliberately. He didn't want to inundate you with shots of the creature. He didn't want you to be like, okay. Because again, that's not really what the film is about. The film is about the myth of the creature. It's about how did it feel. And that's, you know, say I want to point out, by the way, those woods are filled with real creatures that are far scarier than a mythological ape. Yeah. There's wolves. There's bears. There's plenty of things that could straight up kill you in those woods. <clears throat> wow. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, the movie is, you know, there's plenty of, there's snakes. Hell, there's snakes in my area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I live in the middle of the city. But Amanda saw a snake the other day. So, I mean, but but that's just it. The movie very much captures that sense of you're living amidst nature. You're living in the wild. Mm -hmm. You're at the edge. You know, it's it's a frontier sense. And again, I feel like in the age of the Internet, you don't get that anymore. Um, I've spent the night down in that area many times, you know, because daylight isn't that far from it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, you don't feel that. It's a hard movie to talk about because there aren't there aren't major elements to it. At one point, you're just focusing on a little boy's life. We want to apologize to everybody, by the way, because Lola is fussy today and she's teething. She's teething, but um, you know, I you, you don't have you don't have a real structure to film. That's why it's hard to talk about. You know, the whole Travis Crabtree sequence is just, what's it like to be a little boy in the South at this moment? I mean, that's all it is, but it gives it character. And it sets up, that's what this world is. I don't know. I mean, it is such a strange film in that area, in that regard, that so much of it is just, what is this world? So you do have that element of, well, what's going on in this area? And I think that the that that's fascinating. Uh, there's so much nighttime footage too. There is, and it's creepy. I can't stress this enough. 
Pierce knew a good, he knew a good nighttime shot. And, and it all serves to, I think, reinforce the idea that you are, in fact, in a dangerous place. And what's, what's even creepier about that is most of the nighttime scenes are from indoors looking out mm-hmm. where you can't see anything. Exactly. That's, there aren't, that's the most frightening thing of all. But you're hearing it. Oh, you're hearing it. Yeah, you're hearing it. The sound effects in this movie are fantastic. This has some great sound effects. Um, again, I've always maintained a budget, a budget isn't how much money you have. It's what you do with it. And again, I just feel like Pierce was onto something with this one. <laughs> Pierce really had, he knew how to create a sense of, okay, this is wrong. He knew how to create a sense of this world, just it's uncomfortable. And I really applaud him for that. I like that this is a movie. Again, it serves to the fact that this movie is about two things. It's about what it's literally about, i.e. the monster, and what it's really about to me, which is this world. You know, you because you, you do. You, you, you sense, you hear. And let me tell you, I have been in the woods at night, and let me tell you, you do get that sensation. That's the thing. That's what I was looking for for this movie was a sensation of, what does it feel like to be in the woods in this moment? What is that like? What is that experience? And that's what this movie really gives you mm-hmm. is a sense of, okay, you're, you're there. It, it captures – it's a very specific vibe. Uh, again, this is such a strange movie to talk about, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not giving people like the plot stuff that you're usually used to. But I think that's what makes this movie so effective is that it, it is dreamlike. It's a myth. It's a story. Yeah. And that's what makes it unique and interesting. That's what makes it better than say, oh, we're just going to go in and cover a standard ooga booga monster movie. Right. It's something different. And I admire that. I admire that that's what the movie is. Again, I feel like if you're watching this because you're expecting something funny, you're really going to be very let down. Um <laughs> You know, because it's not campy. MST, God, MST3K existed for movies like this. Um, well, hell, again, it existed for the literal sequel, um, which is one of those movies. And I feel like the fact that this is a... Weirdly enough. Weirdly enough. And I feel like the fact that this is a pseudo-documentary really helps it. Yeah, something that I should mention, uh, when you suggested this and uh, you showed me... You show me uh, uh, where to find it, because you can watch it on... It's on YouTube. Yeah, and, and we're going to include a link with it. Oh, yes. Um, you did not tell me anything about it other than it's not what you're expecting. And, uh, like, going into... Finally, like, ten minutes into it, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely not what I was expecting at all. It's just spooky, is what it is. It it, And I feel like it's the kind of movie that Hollywood... <laughs> doesn't make anymore because there's so because the thing is the drive-in circuit doesn't exist anymore that's what that's what stinks is that the drive-in circuit as we knew it doesn't exist anymore i miss the drive-in circuit i feel like that was a really good thing that we lost we have lost the b movie yeah like we still have drive-ins but they're all showing the a movies yeah we still have drive drive-ins they're all showing the a movies b movies don't make it to theaters anymore no yeah, they're all direct-to-video or Netflix or... You know, they don't make it. There's no B-circuit. If a B-movie makes it to a theater, there's one way that it happens, and that is 
someone had too much money and paid for Vanity Run. But it's and it's never a good movie that gets that treatment. There are cool, neat little in, little horror movies that don't get that treatment. Or the second option, which of course you know, Tommy Wiseau's uh, The Room was mm. one of those. But uh, yeah. the other option is if it gains traction as a cult phenomenon, and then somewhere like Animal Drafthouse plays it. Yeah, but you don't. But but that's just it. You don't have. I, I really miss the days of the B movie. Uh, one of the reasons that I, that I point to like '95 or so is. Mm-hmm. as the death of this kind of thing is because that's the, about the last time that you would see these little horror movies just pop up in, in a small limited run around the country. The last one that I can think of in terms of like a classic example of this was Lepre- was Leprechaun kind of stormed around the country. And of course, Leprechaun went on to become a serious franchise for some goddamn reason. <laughs> what about Leprechaun 4, Leprechaun in Space? He went to the hood twice. That's true, he did. He went to the hood, and then he went back to the hood. Oh my god. Because, because why not Why not make as many groups as you can angry? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, because this friend, cause that, but again, like you would have that, that barnstorming of horror movies, and you don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I, I hate that it's all so homogenized. I mean, whatever's playing at my local theaters, it's the same stuff that's playing at yours. So uh, the drive-in circuit was so cool for that. Um, have you read anything by uh, Joe Bob Briggs? I have not. Okay, another Arky, another Arky, uh, John Bloom as uh, an Arkansan uh, writer, uh, and, though he lived and wrote in Texas. Um, and he, uh, uh, as Joe Bob Briggs, did a lot of columns on B movies and on drive-in movies. And he, in this persona, this redneck persona, he really expressed a tremendous love for the medium. And I, I, again, I feel like this movie is, uh, is if you want to see what the drive-in circuit could be like at its best, this is the movie to watch. I mean, there've been, there are other great drive-in movies, you know, lots of exploitation movies. Uh, but this to me is such a perfect example of why the drive-in circuit was so cool. And again, this was a movie meant to be watched outdoors. Can you imagine how effective it would be oh. if you watch it on a hot summer night? Surrounded by woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie was meant for that kind of world. You know, there was um, some controversy a couple months ago in that um, a drive-in theater refused to take Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because Disney would require that on their other screen, they would play the documentary that they had on China. And my thought was, why not lean into that, show the documentary on China, show, you know, and enjoy the fact that, you know, you'd be watching a movie about the outdoors in the outdoors. I mean, do people have no imagination? I don't know. But whatever the case, I I do recommend this movie. I do recommend it. Um, because it is such a a curio. Again, it's a hard movie to talk about. It's so filled with music. It's just these lazy southern songs, all composed by Pierce, um, all performed by them. I'm pretty sure. I know he performed them. I don't. I, I think he composed them too. But it's you know it's very much that kind of lazy, wistful music. 
again, this movie is so dreamlike. Um, and I think that's because it only does become a conventional monster movie in the third act, which is really the only time that you get a lot of quote unquote actors. That's when they had people really leaning into the recreation most of the time. Otherwise it was people who had actually lived through it. As for what do I think was really going on again, alcohol and actual stuff in the woods. That's my suggestion. I mean, that's what I think probably was really the case, but again, it's kind of irrelevant. I, again, I feel like this movie isn't so much about the monster as it is the myth of the monster. And I just think that's cool. So again, kind of an odd movie. Um, I do want to discuss its legacy a little bit because that's part of the really fascinating thing about this. Again, it got it got Pierce's career going. He made a, a number of quote unquote real movies after this. Movies with actors, movies with scripts. Um, returned to the fa- he returned to this material. Let's talk about the bizarre jagged sequel situation that this one had. Yeah, yeah, do please. Okay. There are technically two Boggy Creek 2s. Does that make sense? Oh, like what's what's funny is that the uh, the one that um, MST3K riffed, uh, they actually explained that uh, situation like on the back of the box. Yeah, there is Return to Boggy Creek, where the monster is a good guy, uh, which Brad Jones did a review of Return to Boggy Creek. <laughs> As part of his 10-year celebration, he actually co- – because he did a piece on the original Legend of Boggy Creek where he point blank said in character, look, this is a good movie, but I figured I'd end Sasquatch Week with a look at a good movie and laid out why it's a good movie actually. So you have that. Return to Boggy Creek, the monster is a good guy. The monster rescues kids during a storm. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, when you get right down to it, it was chasing E.T. money. Yeah. I, <clears throat> so it was after 82, I take it. Yeah, I think it was about the same time. It oh was chasing, God. like, that kind of money. Yeah, it's funny how uh, movies tend to do that. Is you know, you also had Mac and Me. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted, everybody wanted the friendly monster in the woods story. Pod people kind <laughs> of was that. Really? Pod people? Oh, yeah, pod people was definitely kind of that. Oh, my God. Oh, is that the one with, uh... <clears throat> is that the, the other MST3K one? Yeah. Yes. Trumpy. Oh, Trumpy. Trumpy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That one is legendary. It stinks! <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Um, But anyway, let's... But, but let's get into the Pierce Dunn sequel, because I want to lay out why, why that one doesn't work. Pierce was not involved with the friendly one, but he did do the second one, which is the second sequel, so to speak, which is a farce. Boggy Creek 2, The Legend Continues. The Legend Continues. First of all, I don't even think this thing played Little Rock. I can find no evidence that this movie played Little Rock. That's kind of damning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I actually, before I did this, we did this cast, I actually went through the archives Looking at every movie listing for about a year of when that movie came out, I could find no evidence that it actually played Little Rock. That doesn't mean it didn't, but I don't. But I have little reason to think it actually did. I mean, it. If it got a theatrical release, it was a damned limited theatrical release. 
that movie is the that movie is what you expect this one to be. It's people go into the woods. It's a lot of nepotism. Charles Pierce himself plays the lead. His son plays one of his assistants. It is it is it's not scary. It's not intense. It's boring as hell. It's padded as hell. There's no atmosphere. It's a lot of people in the woods at night. In some ways, so like all the atmosphere, which gives this one its kick, is missing. So it's just lame is what it is. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my take on it is it's just kind of lame. So, yeah, let uh, Boggy Creek 2, the legend continues. Yeah, d- don't 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 see that one. Um, do watch the MST3K episode. Do watch um and then there was a Boggy Creek remake done really? a few years ago. What? Yeah, and here's the kicker. It's set in Texas. Oh. Oh. Which admittedly, Falk is kind of the Texas and Louisiana it's in an area referred to as the Arklatex because it's kind of the three-way point between Arkansas, Texarkana, and Louisiana. Uh-huh. Or, or Arkansas, Texas, and Louisiana. Texarkana is the name of the city that's located right around the three. Oh, get I it? get it. I get it now. Texarkana, yes. I wondered I wondered why the name sounded weird. Yes, Texarkana is... Uh, and it's not actually pronounced that way. I'm just leaning into it. I don't know. It's, 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 I have not heard good or bad about the remake, just that it existed. Again, I just don't feel like you can, there have been a lot of Bigfoot movies lately, some good, some bad. I've heard very good things about the Bobcat Goldthwait one, for example. But then again, I expect that to be good. He makes good movies. I still need to see his movies. They're, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. He is a tremendous writer, director. Uh, Tremendous satirist. Uh, his, um, let's see, what is it? Um, World's Greatest Dad and uh, God Bless America are how you actually do satire. Oh, yeah. I need to see God Bless America. Oh, my God. You do. It is It is brilliant. It is brilliant, lacerating satire. Wow. Uh, World's Greatest Dad is incredible. It's a movie about how we manufacture grief. Hmm. Uh, it's it's very good. Oh, and right, that's wh- the one with Robin Williams. Yeah, boy, that's the awkward part. It's a movie about how we mythologize the dead, played by one of our most tragic recent losses. By the way, have you seen that uh, he's going to be in a movie soon? Uh, which one? Uh, t- uh, Terry Jones's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Which it's finally getting released. I've heard it's atrocious. Really? Oh, that's too bad. You can kind of tell a lot by the fact that it's waited on the shelf this long, so... Yeah, I was gonna say, if Robin Williams is in it, then that means that either it took them a long time to make, or... It's shelf candy, it's shelf candy. Um, Again, I just... This is a strange movie. But if you like stuff like this, I really cannot recommend it enough. If you want to just watch a movie that washes over you, and takes you to a strange place, this is the one to go with. I, I realize this is a short episode, but I, I want to point people in this direction. This is a time when I want to just tell people, go out and seek this out, and then and watch it late at night. Watch it late at night, turn off all the lights, turn off all the 
noises. Play it live. Get it on a big TV if you can. And just experience it. Because this is... This is a good one. This is a real damn good one. So, yeah. We will be back soon enough. Those are my final thoughts. Have you got anything more to say? Yeah, it's just... It's very atmospheric. It's very uh, tense at points. Um, yeah. Yeah, just... see, so It's on YouTube. We're going to include a link. Watch watch it. Give it a shot. Until then... Um, yeah. Filmroom.org. Filmroom.org. Patreon.com slash the film room. Donates. Yep. We will talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Uh, I was over on the other side of the house. What does it look like? Well, best I could tell, things. Real tall and hair all over. Red eyes. Probably anything, Constable? Not yet. This piece of tin been off all the time? No, sir, it hasn't. Have you looked in under there? No, sir, we haven't looked down there. Here's a panther track and a little cub with it under this house. You mean a panther's been living yeah. in the house? That's what it is. It's a panther track. That wasn't any panther we shot at, Constable. You'll bet on that. Well, that's what that track is. You keep this shotgun, this light, and these shells, and, and then if you need me, will you come at you? Okay, sir, we sure will. And I'm going to drive up the highway each way and look to see if I can see anything. We sure do appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll pick the gun up tomorrow sometime. We sure do thank you for coming back, You're Constable. Welcome. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. If you need me, give me a call. Okay, we sure will. Yeah. Being ready to change. Yeah. What kind of place is this? I mean, a panther living under the house? Somebody trying to break in? Well, we've got flashlights, we've got the guns. Now let's all go to bed, get some rest. I'm with you. Let's go to bed. Come on, Ed. Thank <laughs> you.